Business as Unusual is a thought-provoking podcast that explores the innovative strategies, disruptive ideas, and unconventional practices driving successful leaders and companies in the ever-evolving world of modern business. Subscribe, comment, and share for weekly inspiration with our host, Aisla. Hi, this is Aisla. Welcome to Business is Unusual, and I'm here with Dror. Hi there. How you doing? Hi, Aisla. Good seeing you. I'm really hearing excited. You. Hearing you, yeah. No, I'm really <laughs> excited to have you here. It's, we had such a great chat just in general. I've been looking forward to this. But before we get into the nitty-gritty of your business, what's the last artist that you got lost in? Visual, musical, written, other? I'm actually currently reading The Plague by Albert Camus. And it's very interesting to read after a pandemic. I don't think we experienced it in as intensely as in the book, but yeah, I'm definitely in there. That actually sounds that I used to play this game called Pandemic. It's a cooperative game where you're fighting a pandemic globally. And when the pandemic started, I was looking at it and I said, I'm not sure I can do this right now. This doesn't feel good. (laughs) It was a little too close to home. I actually picked it up because I'm working with my coach right now on shadow work. Go as low as you can until Mm -hmm. nothing really matters and then what remains. And I was like, you know what? I probably should pick up some existentialist literature. Mm -hmm. And I picked that. And then while I was reading it, it was like, wait, it's about a play. Yeah, that's the name of the book. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty, I think that sounds very revealing or imagine that your perspective, anyone's perspective on a story like that would be different after the last few years because we have so much more of an actual connection to what's happening as opposed to conceptual idea. Well, at the same time, like I think there's a claim that we always are in a plague. So that's in the book. That's in the book. It's not me. I was going to say, maybe I'll have to pick that up. It sounds interesting. Will you tell folks what your business is, what you're up to in that way? My business is called Ethics Coach, and I help purpose-driven business leaders go from this I believe to this we practice. So from belief to action and from I to we. So my definition of ethics will be some sort of a social contract that is action that reflects values. Is that I prefer to work with, I I do work with people that are actually realizing that the current system doesn't work well for them and hopefully are even doing something about it. But I also recognize it is difficult to sometimes to do it on your own. Even in my business, when I started, I was having a terrible time starting my business. I didn't enjoy it. And I was like, why is that? And then... I spoke to another friend that's a coach, but it came up that, oh yeah, I'm not doing business the way I think it should be. My business is not necessarily matching who I am and my values because I'm just following whatever directions I'm getting from my mentors here. And even for the ethics coach, you need a coach (laughs) to help you. I have all the ideas. I know what I'm pissed about. I know what I'm excited about. But then when you need to put it into action, it really helps to have another person to work with. I think that's really very true. Anytime we're trying to train ourselves to do something new, having that kind of support and guidance and feedback, even just a cheerleader 
can make a huge difference in keeping yourself motivated and on track because there's so much that tells us how to be that that I find personally distasteful. And yet at the same time, if there's enough of a sort of a mass of that, it can be it can create self-doubt. And in, in and I think most people who are like somewhat intellectually honest will pause to reflect when they feel that there's a lot of no, this doesn't work. Because you're not going to say, I know everything all the time. So I think that having that partner in that way is probably very important. Yeah. That's not like everything all the time is sounds terrible. So this is business as unusual. What would you say is unusual about what you do? Or how you do what it? Is an, I guess one thing that may be unusual about how I do my business and I'm still working on making it even more unusual. But from the very beginning, when I started this business, one of the first things I did is reach out to other coaching, like ethics coaching boutique practices, and got into a conversation with them. And my feeling was that the biggest threat is not us stealing work from each other, or unfortunately, there's more than enough work to do. It's more that we will not be known if we are each have our small voice. So I, mean, I think that may be unusual in business, that you're actually, the first, one of the first things you do is to come together with your comp competition and making quotation marks. Yeah, I think even just the way that you think about it is unusual, that you're not seeing other coaches as a barrier to your success. You see them rather as like collaborators on the journey, maybe. Potential collaborators. So also, I, I guess it, it, the way I look at growth for my business is having a collection of people that I can collaborate with, depending on what I'm doing. I just, in general, I don't necessarily like to work alone unless it's one-on-one. -on -one, that's, I love that. But if I do a project or workshop or it's so much more fun to have more than one perspective and two people to hand off and I enjoy that as well. There's something about creating and interacting in that way that I find to be inspirational and enlivening. I feel like it it helps me to open doors of insight that I wouldn't get to otherwise. There's something about the interaction that creates that for me. So I totally it also relate. offers your audience more options. Yeah, I used to teach an after school program, and we always team taught and. There was kids, but I think with adults, it's the same. Each kid gravitated towards a different personality and a different way of saying things. So that was a gift for that group because everybody got their learning answered in the way they prefer. Yeah, that makes sense. What in your life or your past set the stage for you to create this business or see this need? How much time do we have? At least you want to tell the story. I'm happy to hear it. <laughs> Yeah. It's interesting because I came to coaching quite recently and it was by reflecting on everything I did in my life and realizing that was thread that, and it was a very squiggly career to find a thread of, no, this is what I was doing and was bringing into each and every job. So from, I guess we can go back to high school. Okay. <laughs> love it. I had two teachers that I think until today, one of them was my literature teacher, which language arts and 
as a young person, I did not appreciate him because he kept lecturing us on like life and how to do things. And later in life, I realized, okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that stuck with me is, is we read this poem about appreciating every moment. And then he got into this speech that like he's still scratching my mind about right now you're in high school and you're scratching off each and every day. And then you're going to go to Israel. You're going to go to the army. You're going to start scratching off each and every day for three years. Then you're going to go to university and you're going to scratch the days until you graduate. And then you go to work and you're going to scratch the hours from nine to five. And then one day you look back and all you have is time that you discounted. That grabbed me. I probably was oriented that way, but it did resonate with me. And my philosophy teacher encouraged us to question power, which is something I keep doing. Mm-hmm. In the army, I was doing human resources, but the way I connected to that was I am the first person a soldier sees when they come into a new place. So that kind of interaction can really shape however long they're with. If it's bad, it's going to be really bad. And if I can point them to the right places and welcome them whenever they come, just to summarize, after the army, I was a journalist. So there was, that's where I learned, I never learned, but I realized that I'm very comfortable with silences, which is a powerful coaching skill. Mm-hmm. But yeah, whenever I just didn't ask a question and I sat there, like I would get the best information and the most interesting stories. Let's see. Then I ended up in New York somehow and writing in Hebrew wasn't the best way to do something in a connected way to my environment. I stopped in New York on the way back from another trip and I realized I need to make something in that city hmm. in order to experience it. And yeah, and writing in Hebrew was not the thing to do in New York. So I took up photography and it went super well, actually. I found a voice and but at the end of the day, my work was those blurry portraits of people. Hmm. And what I would write about it to explain is... I use a slow shutter speed, so the movement was blurred. But the movement that was blurred was a combination of the subject moving and of my movement as a photographer holding the camera. So the portrait was actually a portrait of our encounter. Mm. Yeah, but the, the, I'm a coach, so like you can start slowly see like how everything... And then I met a girl from Pittsburgh, and I moved to Pittsburgh, and I started teaching photography. We were, it was an art after school program that I didn't try to get any photographers out of there. It was more about just using the photo art as a, an opportunity to think and challenge yourself and grow and confidence and voice and all that stuff. And then I ended up in robotics. So some engineer from Carnegie Mellon showed up and showed me this robot that takes panoramic images using a point and shoot camera. And it got my attention because that robot had a robot finger that pushes the shutter button on the camera. It wasn't like any big hocus pocus. It was mm-hmm. every camera has a shutter button. And especially from where I'm, I was working with public school students, and you can put whatever camera you have in there and it will work. Mm-hmm. So that, that really got my attention. I realized those people are thinking differently and thinking they have some values behind how they make things. I ended up eventually going to them and saying, I need to be the one going to schools for you and for two after-school programs. And 
And there, actually, besides the strategic work I did, a lot of my work was sitting with teachers mm-hmm. uh, in education technology. There's great pressure to be the latest thing, and there's a lot of shiny stuff, and there's sometimes also big deals that like somebody that doesn't even know what you're doing is signing, and then you get the tool and you have to use it. <laughs> so my work was to sit with teachers, or later on, my partners would do that with teachers in different places in the country, but hit pause and ask, okay, who are you? What are your values? What are your goals? What are your goals for your classroom? Who are your mm-hmm. students? What are the needs? What community are you in? What does that mean? Once we answer that, we'll ask, okay, so what kind of tool do you need? What does the tool need to be doing? Yeah. And then you can decide, is that tool mm-hmm. a computer or a robot or is that tool a pencil or... Yeah. So it was going back to your value and identity. And as I mentioned, I created this network. So after a while, this was happening even better than I did it because it was happening by professional education people that mm-hmm. even understand it more deeply. And the professor I worked for was very kind. He gave me some, I think I took three, mo- I took three months to figure out what's next. And I started doing the same thing, but with the startup founders. Out of, because yeah, if you read the news, you know that every day there's some misguided ethics thing. And I wasn't there to tell them what is ethical, but I was there to help them notice that they can make their ethics part of how their company works. And the more they do that, the harder it will be later to end up on the front page of the newspaper for the wrong reason. It was very successful. The founders loved it. The accelerator loved it. We were in the Wall Street Journal like a few weeks into that. We didn't even know what the project was called or what we're doing, but they already mentioned it wasn't like we were on the cover. It was like a big story. And then a few lines in, in the middle where like Carnegie Mellon is working with that accelerator. And so we're like, okay, let's spin it off. Hmm, okay. We're working in the business sector. Might as well speak the language and swim in the same water. And then we realized that the startup ecosystem realized on a lot of framework, a lot of paid forward, mm. like mentor, mentors that made it and show up. And I'm pretty stubborn. My co-founder after a while was like, okay, I'm going to get a job. That wasn't like the right thing for her, but I stuck around and then stubborn, being stubborn in a way that I was trying to do the same thing as if she was there. But after a while, I realized I can't. She's brilliant that she brought so many things into that, but now it's just me. Yeah. So I started looking back and asking myself, okay, what was it that I brought into this work that was, what was the essence? And it was office hours we held with those companies, which was coaching mm-hmm. and facilita- facilitating the workshops. And that's where I ended up becoming a coach. It wasn't that neat as I'm telling it because life is not. No. But that's the narrative. That's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a specific example that illustrates something interesting about what you do with the people you work with? The one-on-one coaching will be, I think it's like any coaching. And I think it's also like any other niche of coaching. It's just that I decided that that this is who I want to spend my time with. And that's why I'm doing purpose-driven business leaders that are trying to change how business is happening, et cetera. I guess my programs, and I'm not sure it's unique, but they're a mix of workshops and coaching. So you do a work as a cohort, as a group, and you learn from each other, and then you take time 
separately with a coach and really, what do you call it? Process, in, integrate, mm. understand how it feels like, okay, how can I make this mine? How can mm. that be something that I'm not just doing because that was a great idea. Like I'm feeling it. And that where it, it came organically when we were running the program, because we showed up into an accelerator. We spent two years there. We're like, we weren't sure. But it was the startup companies that ended up demanding ethics office hours. Plus. Mm. And that's where the coaching came in. And we saw that was really powerful. You're saying this and I'm and just reflecting one of the things that has come more to the public attention is that, for example, if you want to have DEI initiatives at your company, you really need to embed them. Just having somebody who talks about it is not actually going to be as effective. And when you're talking about having the ethics embedded, I think that ultimately culture and often like that unspoken culture, right? Because there's the policies that companies have. And I think we've all seen that there's the written policy and then there's the way things are done. And, Mm -hmm. and there's a scope of tolerance around that. And I think that having the policies, but then also having the culture of ethics and the culture of inclusion, the the culture of valuing the diverse experiences and, and, and ways of being that ultimately will make it less awkward. And I think more reflexive. I have a, an example from educational technology. Okay. So I'm not the youngest person. <laughs> when I was in school, there was a room in the school where we went to do the computers. Mm-hmm. That was like the room to do computers. You think about it today. It's what do you mean a room? Like, <laughs> like there's computers right. inside people's like bodies. There's computer in my pocket. There's the car I'm driving is a computer. The same for ethics, I believe. Like. It can't be just like the chief ethics officer office. And that's the room where you go to do ethics. Mm -hmm. If we do it well, it's like computers. Like ethics is a tool in your everyday work. And like, it doesn't matter where you are and what it's part of how you, how you accomplish things. It's part of your power. I think that I like that example. And I think that is a great way to present it in that. It's a tool. It's a way to understand how you do business. I've always had that. How we do things is as important as what we're trying to accomplish. And you, it has to obviously be some caveats, can't get too idealistic or nothing happens. And really thinking about is the way that I'm doing this, what you were talking about, am I running my business the way that I'm encouraging people to run their business? And am I actually letting myself experiment and maybe fail and learn in, 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 in that process or do I hold myself to this other place where it has to go a certain way? I don't know. I think that, I think it's a brave and important way to approach the work. It's also fun. Where is that too? <laughs> <laughs> so I also believe it. in a certain way, whatever will happen and mm-hmm. we can get their suffering and hustling and we can get their having fun. That may sound right. I don't know. Maybe it's not yeah. true for everybody, but I feel like we're What's doing it. Might, might as well. Let's have fun. Let's start my coaching sessions. There's a lot of laughter there. There's, it doesn't need to be. If it needs to be heavy, it will be. But it also, it can be fun. It's, again, going back to the teacher about crossing days of your life. Yeah. You can make something of whatever you do. I think that's, I resonate with that. So who would, do you typically work with? Or who would you say thrives with your services? This stage in my career, in my practice, which is fairly new, I mainly work with professionals, 
and that can be like lawyers or I worked with a DEI expert, some caregivers. I also, while I'm saying it shouldn't be a room where you go to do ethics, I do help also people that are in that tough position of being the ethics person that, that box to check, but they don't want to be a box to check to try. They need to have more buy-in. That creates a lot of burnout. Yeah. And I want to work with these people to help them burn bright burnout and help engage people in simple ways, but like slowly and powerfully, yeah, making ethics a tool that like a pencil in somebody, on somebody's table. That sounds really helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell me about some advice that you've received that has influenced how you approach your work or something you took as advice? For instance, I often will refer to a quote that by Maya Angelou that I love where it says, do what you know until you know better and then do better. Now, she didn't give me that advice, but I take that as advice in my life because it helps me to to keep on the process of refining how I show up and to remember that it is a journey. No one's 100% on it. And that the even trying to have that be the goal isn't super beneficial to you and what I'm trying to do or my own mental health, honestly. So, yeah. it, it, or, yeah, and also there's advice people give you that you're like, wow, that is like the teacher that talked to you about scratching the days off. So I it, it, take that as you will. There's something that yeah. comes to mind. No, the teacher is definitely like the one advice that like rises above. All the others, yeah. That's All good advice. Is, yeah. I'm trying to, actually, a lot of the advice I got is from teachers. But it wasn't always in, it wasn't always verbal. So like I had a photography teacher in New York that changed my life. But it was just through the way she designed the practice. So it, it, again, I'm from another era. It was called a roll a day and a roll is a roll of film. So you have to finish a roll of film every day in your camera, no matter what. Even if it means that before, but you put it in, in the camera and just like advance and click, advance and click, you have to finish the roll. And initially you have all those grand ideas and like you produce those beautiful pictures and then you kind of start running out of ideas and there's, you just click and advance and shoot. And then the magic happens. There's a moment that the wall there that like really sucks, but you keep growing. All of a sudden, that that whole idea of that encounter between me and others, like it's just emerged, and there was a very clear voice and a very specific aesthetics, but it was not necessarily authored by me as much as it just yeah. So she helped me find and recognize flow, and I, because of that class, I have access to flow mm-hmm. more than others. Not more than other people, but in more situations. Part of it was. Putting the ego aside, another part is just like getting to a mastery of the techniques so you don't have to think about it. Mm. And I've been told that there's a friend of mine that when he talks about my photography, he says, you can see through your hands. My t- that teacher said, oh, you feel color with your body. It actually made sense because, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I feel like just get my hand wherever the picture needs to be taken and take the picture or, and I do, I respond very strongly to color. Yeah. Thank you. Will you share what you do to keep yourself inspired or how you stay recharged? I know that coaching and especially ethics can have those moments, I think, like anything. There's activities like yoga, meditation, which I picked up very recently. It didn't work for me before, but I think that I'm hopeless. 
optimist. And also when I suffer, like it's okay, there's a reason for this. This is good. This is what mm-hmm. can I get out of this? Again, it's my, that teacher's fault, but it's hard for me to, I'm like, the question people ask, oh, support is like a big failure. You know? I don't know. It's really hard for me, not because I do everything perfectly. It's just that flow and just, okay, oh, wow. Like, this is really an interesting situation we need to resolve here. So, yeah, I think for the most part, it's, I come to it with that. But at the same time, I, I have a garden. I used to do it more. That That's very, okay. So I have an answer, actually. A lot of activities that, again, have, that are not completely within my control. Mm. So transition from film to digital kind of killed it for me because with digital, you can get it like as specific and you have control to like the, Mm. I don't know how many spots after the single point and with, with film and with photo paper and like projecting the light on the photo paper, there's so many variables. So you have, there's like an organic process. Yes, you drive it, but then like you also need to do like the paper will do what the paper wants to do and. All that kind of stuff. So the gardening in that way is the same. I can plant things places, but then you also got to let it happen. It also happens very slowly. I was one of those sourdough bakers during the pandemic. But that's also, it takes time. Just You're collaborating with those, with those organisms that help you make the bread. You don't have full control. There's some magic in that, being able to engage in that relationship. What does success look like to you? Success is doing what I enjoy doing and want to do, and that's happening now. Yeah, I like to say that success is something that I do every day and I'll never really achieve because the journey is the point here, but I think that was actually my philosophy teacher. There's another one I forgot about her. We talked about what happiness is, and I don't know if in English that's the correct terminology, but there's, I'm happy and I'm laughing and I'm like joyful. And then there's, I'm happy because I have purpose and I'm aligned with my calling. And so for me, success is the second. And that is something you can have. You don't need to reach somewhere. You don't need to get to Mm -hmm. a point in order to have that success, but it genuinely feels like success. For folks who are listening and they know they need an ethics coach or there's someone there like, they definitely need an ethics coach. All right. What, how do they get a hold of you? What's the best way to learn more? Do they come and sign up on your website for an email? Yeah, so my website is ethics.coach. And there you can f- probably find all the other ways. Like you can reach me or follow me. And I am launching a newsletter at last yeah. this summer, like later in August, probably. And signing up for that newsletter will be a way to keep up with all the things I write. Yeah, some of it is going to be more personal stories and some of it is going to be just explaining what I do. Yeah. Thanks. And uh, thank you so much for joining me today. Talk about your business. I really appreciate that. Yeah.